Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today, uh, every Tuesday at two. My name is Justin Dobbs, and let me invite you to interact with us live. You can use the chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that throughout our program today. But if you have other questions or comments about today's discussion or any other topic or scripture, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can go to BibleQuest.tv. We want to talk with you about your questions and concerns in your journey to know the Lord and his word. Today, we have with us uh, Scott Smelser. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing well. Good, good. Glad you're with us. And then uh, we have Tim Bunting with us again from New Jersey. How are you doing, Tim? How are you doing? Good, good. Um, we are in a series currently that Tim got started for us a couple of weeks back on uh, heaven and hell and the spiritual realm. Uh, last week we talked about spiritual beings um is is angel the right word to use for that kind of a catch-all mm -hmm. um but today we're going to shift a little bit and talk about uh demons and the devil himself so uh tim you want to get us started with that thank you for sure. yeah um <clears throat> yeah so we've been talking about the heavenly realm and not just being god's house but this this domain in which the spiritual inhabits and there are spiritual entities, spiritual beings, and uh, we can divide these spiritual beings probably into two main categories. And the way I label these categories are the spiritual beings in God's presence or good spiritual beings. And then there are the spiritual beings outside of God's presence or the bad spiritual beings or evil spiritual beings. We talked a little bit last week about angels. Um, the good beings that are within God's presence, God's messengers. And we just kind of barely scratched the surface. Uh, but moving on to the um, to the evil spiritual beings outside of God's presence. And we'll try to talk a little bit about uh, demons and evil spirits uh, as a way to set up a larger discussion on the most infamous of all evil spiritual beings, which is Satan himself. Uh, and again, I think I've got 16 pages of notes uh, that I've compiled from before. Uh, so again, it's it's a lot more material on yeah. these topics than we would normally think. And there is a lot to study and a lot to know. Uh, there's a lot that we are not going to be able to fully uncover. So we shouldn't go beyond that. But um, as I did these lessons, it just really surprised me how much information there is that we can really digest and know and learn from and then ultimately uh take some good applications and looking at the passages about the devil uh, they're really uh we really quickly come to some very practical applications that can be made and so i think it's definitely a fruitful uh discussion for a number of reasons so that's kind of what we've got going on today 16 pages so, yeah. so just out of curiosity, when you go about trying to study something like this, like what you don't just start reading the Bible. Uh, I mean, you can, but that would take an awfully long time. How do you go about researching something like this? Cool. Well, I, I guess re researching this kind of topic, uh, you're really just trying to, um, you know, survey the entire Bible, finding any relevant passages and there's a number of ways to do that. Of course, you can use your concordance. Uh, we're blessed to have digital concordances where you can search for a word, uh, Satan or devil, and then you can even do the asterisks, right? That will cover any variation. Um, so if the first four letters are devil or five letters are devil, 
if there's you know the possessive devils with apostrophe or the plural devils if you have the if you have the uh, asterisks there it'll compile those as well um and i also cheat you know you go you google and say bible verses about satan and people uh there are some websites where people uh submit verses on topics and you kind of sift through and wave through those but you can end up finding a lot of references that you wouldn't uh, normally think of on your own uh but yeah like with a topic like this that really does span the entirety of scripture we kind of can't know that we're doing a great job if we don't feel confident we have almost all of the relevant passages because with this topic a random statement here is is another clue another idea and a random statement there and so you kind of have to have all of these uh to put together a a safe and thorough um compilation of ideas and then again you know what you know which also tells you what you what you don't know and so ideally you're not necessarily reading the bible you know from cover to cover but you are trying to really go through the entirety of scriptures uh, to find all the relevant passages so i don't know if that answers your question or not no i think it's helpful because the same kind of techniques we'd use on a subject like this you can use on a lot of other subjects um we don't want anybody to listen to this and say oh that's the authoritative statement on satan mm -hmm. or the demons or angels um, but anybody can replicate this kind of study it just takes time and it, it takes uh it takes patience you've, you've got to sort through passages and like i said you want you really want all of them Mm -hmm. uh, because it might be just this little um, reference to some shade of something happening here, and it it does reveal uh, some nuance that we might have left out before. So very helpful. Yeah, that's a good point because I didn't I didn't really use any special resources other than resources that help me find passages in scripture, and so finding the scriptures. But then at that point, all it is is sifting through organizing categorizing uh, highlighting the scriptures and everything was really just coming from that and so everybody has access to that everyone has internet and you can get bible apps and you can you can have your bible and so really these are resources available to everybody to do so, uh, so very good yeah um cool well we'll jump into it then um so again we've talked about the the angels in the heavenly realm serving and ministering to god but we also have satan's angels you know to to kind of uh, hit the ground running if you look at matthew 25 41 uh it, jesus says depart from me accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels uh and so the devil has angels um uh, we see a similar mention in revelations 12 but also kind of curious second uh, uh, corinthians 12 7 paul has the thorn in the flesh and that thorn in the flesh is considered or referred to as a messenger of Satan. So a literal translation of, of angel, a angel of Satan or a messenger of Satan. So I'm not sure what to make of, of that, but that's a curiosity at the least. Um, but maybe more importantly, Ephesians 6, 12. Let's go ahead and read this whole passage. Um, this is a good, a good kind of anchoring point for us. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this <laughs> darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Uh, this is a passage that helps remind us that this is a real problem, a real threat, a real issue. We clearly are in a struggle as Christians. We struggle every day. But our struggle is not against human powers or flesh, but rather the spiritual entities that are behind all these things. So I'm not going to get my way into heaven by punching and shooting the bad guys and fighting my way to heaven. Um, I'm not going to get into heaven by, you know, I find uh, an, an adulterer and I beat him up and I, I, you know, I give that adulterer his punishment. The, the, the spirits and the demons and the spiritual entities that are behind temptations that inspire us and, and move us uh, and encourage us towards sin and, and the ideas and the false doctrines and all these things. That there is a heavenly realm around us. Evil beings exist within that heavenly realm and they cause trouble. In some capacity, we're going to see, we don't really know how they do what they do, but I do believe we do see the effects of what they do. That's a real thing that we deal with on a regular basis. Um, and the biggest, I'll, I'll kind of get ahead of myself, the biggest application that we can take away from this, a lot of specifics are very unclear, but if we recognize that there is a problem and that there is a, 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 there are e evil entities around us seeking our spiritual downfall, that means we really need to apply ourselves to be spiritually safe. If, if it's just us, you know, I'm at home, you know, wife and baby, and everyone's in a good mood, and there's no traffic, and we don't have to stress about food or finances, and everyone's treating me the right way. When there's no problems, we can kind of behave pretty well. But there are problems. Uh, there are many things every single day that complicate and challenge our life and, and, and challenge our character and tempt us to act and behave in a certain way. And I can't just wake up and assume that everything is going to be nice and easy. I need to realize there are evil forces seeking to sabotage my spiritual welfare. I need to wake up ready to apply myself and to be diligent to fight. So I'm really kind of getting ahead of myself. I, I think it's helpful to go ahead and lay that down from the beginning. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, the idea too that that these are evil forces that are after us, but they're beyond any of us. It's, it's not like I could go toe to toe with Satan on my own and think that like said, I couldn't punch or kick hard enough <laughs> to do do him any damage. Or uh, I grew up with the the country song "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." Uh, I don't know, if Scott, you know that one. Um, you know, I can't play my fiddle fast enough. <laughs> He's a cheater. Um, I think one of my favorite quotes about Satan uh, is, is that um, uh, he's the kind of person who can and would throw a mountain at you if God would let him. Uh, he, he wants to destroy us and he has the power to do it. We, we need help. Uh, and so I think that's one thing that this kind of study brings to the forefront is the kind of forces we're up against. We can't go at this alone. So. Yeah. Very well said. So we'll kind of rewind a bit and then look at some of the logistical things uh, that we can know about these evil spiritual entities. I think it starts with the knowledge that they were apparently created by Jesus. Colossians 1.16, all things were created, both heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Jesus and by Jesus. Jesus is the source of all existence. Spiritual entities exist, they came from Jesus. And so whatever spiritual beings, physical 
whatever whatever beings physical or spiritual exist good or evil it did ultimately come from christ himself well then how can we account for their evil well how can we account for the evil of mankind exactly for physical beings we disobeyed yeah. maybe spiritual beings have free will and the capacity to disobey as well and actually scripture would confirm that theory taking it out of the realm of theory into certainty jude 1 6 angels did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode and he has kept them in eternal bonds of darkness in, until the judgment day second peter 2 4 if god did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment so forth what about others uh finally in first peter 3 19 through 20 uh, Jesus made proclamation to spirits now in prison who were once disobedient uh, when God was waiting patiently in the days of Noah. So we've got clear scriptures attributing rebellion and disobedience to spiritual beings, sometimes calling them angels. Uh, so that even raises uh, the question, was it an angel in God's presence, but then by disobedience was cast out of God's presence? That's certainly a possibility, uh, which might tell us something of the origin um so we know where they came from and we know where their evil came from and none of that is really that confusing because it's actually exactly the same as for us so that's kind of a help uh, a safe way for us to kind of begin yeah so for instance you know the mother of jesus mary uh when she was born that was a sweet cute little baby so yeah. was Adolf hitler yeah she was born it, both of them were created you know, they're part of God's creation. God, all life is ultimately created by God. And so they're both created by God through Christ. Uh, life is here. And we see the same thing in the, there are some differences, but we see that same basic difference in spiritual beings and human beings that some have chosen to be evil and some have chosen to submit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, now at this point, Tim, some of our listeners might say, but wait a minute, isn't there that passage about Lucifer? Do uh, you have any thoughts about Isaiah 14? I do. Uh, I might reserve some of that until we get to okay. talk about Satan more specifically, because that we will definitely cover those things. But that does go into the idea of trying to compile every relevant passage. Um, and I, Isaiah 14, as well as the passage in Ezekiel, will be often cited concerning the origins of satan and really the or his, his really his origin story how satan became the satan that we know today his rebellion and so we'll look at those passages see what they mean uh see if they do shed light on his story of, of light to darkness um and if that's the case for satan then would it be similar for other spiritual entities um so yeah so we'll, we'll definitely hit that in a second here so i appreciate you bring that up uh maybe we'll, we'll go ahead and try to get to satan here in a second uh, let me hit some highlights about about demons about evil spiritual entities in scripture i think we see them referred to as demons spirits evil spirits unclean spirits and a curiosity is the new testament speaks of demons and evil spirits much more than the old testament um, I think that's helpful to consider. Again, that's an observation. What do we do with that? Well, maybe we, we don't know what to do with it yet, but it's good to have in your mind because then maybe something else 
and next to that, and will help us come to some helpful conclusions. But a lot of focus, uh, a lot of the focus about evil spirits and demons is in the New Testament rather than the Old. And probably most well known is the idea of demon possessions. Uh, that would certainly, you know, cause concern because if you're talking about a demon, an evil spirit entering into a human body. Well, I'm a human body. Well, could that happen to me? Uh, and we see the effects of demon possessions in the New Testament. It's a source of illness, a source of madness, a source of supernatural strength and supernatural knowledge. So that's some pretty fantastic information. Sparks the imagination. Well, I'm going to skip over to a relevant question. What does scripture say about the cause of demon possession? Nor does it say that the person demon possessed is necessarily immoral. You know, you, you, you see sometimes a violent guy like in the tombs, but sometimes you see somebody just has an affliction, which mm -hmm. in some texts, somebody has an ailment, it's just a sickness and they're healed. But then in another text, their physical ailment is actually inflicted by an unclean spirit, but it doesn't mean that they are necessarily mm -hmm. an evil person. Yeah. In in Matthew 12, uh, Jesus talks about a demon who, who leaves and then goes about wandering for some, I guess, presumably better abode um, and then comes back. Um, and it's, it's very, oh, it's very strange. He's like, he, he leaves, goes through waterless places there in verse 43. And then he comes back, finds the house swept and put in order and brings in other demons. It doesn't really tell us like why he chooses that one or what that means to him. Like he's swept and put in order. Um, so I don't really know what to take away from that, but there's, yeah. <laughs> he had, demons have preferences, you know, there are things that they find attractive um, and they are looking for something, um, but it doesn't seem like there's necessarily mm -hmm. any kind of choice on the person's part. Yeah. And you really do kind of, oh, go ahead, Scott. We were talking about that passage actually in, in, in our Luke class, version of it in Luke, uh, just the other night and, or the other day and point out it's they're kind of like squatters <laughs> and uh he leaves you fix the house up but you leave it empty the squatter is going to come back and somebody said with his squatter buddies <laughs> so that's the other and, and and if uh evil spirit and demon are kind of the same thing old testament uh you see with king saul that the spirit of the lord left him and then a spirit of jealousy comes upon him um, and afflicts him. So if, if I am full of the spirit of God, presumably there's no room for the inhabitation of, of an evil spirit. Yeah. All, all good thoughts. The, there's not really a lot said about how demon possessions would, would take place. There's not really any, well, there's zero instruction given about how God's people should protect themselves from demonic possession. I think there would be, this is going to happen. Well, then do these things and then you won't be possessed. The closest we have is Ephesians 6 about the spiritual battle. And the point made there is you need the truth. You need righteousness. You need faith. You need the gospel. And you need all the same things you would normally need when facing any spiritual threat. You need, you need to trust in God and, and obey him 
and seek righteousness. And so concerning demon possession, I think the only thing we ultimately need to care about is seeking the Lord, seeking to be full of the Spirit, seeking to obey Him and to not give in to sin. Because I think really the threat of, of these, these spiritual entities is the influence and impact they would have on leading me to sin. But also we're going to see knowing that they cannot control me to sin. In the case of Saul, uh, which is an interesting one, that's the closest that I'm aware of that we see a evil spirit connected to a human's sin. But it wasn't by control. It was by, by influence, uh, by encouragement, by torment. Um, and so I think we would fight against spirits and demons in the same ways that we would used to be fighting our spiritual battles by trusting in the Lord and seeking him. Uh, it's likely that demonic possession is not taking place today. I think, um, I think in the new Testament, it, it becomes clear to us that the whole purpose of this temporary time period of demonic possession was to demonstrate the power that Christ had over Satan. When the woman of with the bleeding issue was healed, it said, um, this woman whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? He also says in Matthew 12, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then that means the kingdom of God has come upon you. I think it was a very real manifestation of the spiritual victory over evil things. And that Christ is the one who was the source of this spiritual victory over Satan. And it was it was seen, it was felt, it was, it was experienced. And that demonstrates very loudly to that generation. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King who will defeat evil. And so there's a couple of quick things to consider uh, with, with demons and evil spirits. Uh, moving on. With, go ahead, go ahead. So, sorry, real quick, just with that, um, it... It, that idea that that demons became more active during Jesus's lifetime um, as a way to help demonstrate the power of the kingdom, the power of Jesus uh, and his apostles. Uh, I, I think it implies necessarily then that God has the authority to allow the demons uh, access to our realm or to prevent it, uh, which, is a great comfort in some ways. I mean, it raises some questions. Does that mean that God is, you know, working with the demons? Well, it means they have to answer to God. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is a comfort. Is is God is not allowing Satan and his messengers just to do what they want willy nilly. Uh, he he can prevent it. Scott. Yeah, and along that idea of the difference between the New Testament time and now, we we don't have a verse that says there won't be demon possession in the future. But we do see the most records of it during the, the time of Jesus and the apostles there, particularly Jesus. And you've got here in Matthew 12, you've already mentioned that, but I wanted to read this verse. When he said, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, the kingdom has uh, come to you. And he, then he said, how can one enter the house of a strong man and spoil his goods except first he bind the strong man? So the strong man is the devil. And part of Jesus' defeating the devil is first binding him, limiting him. And then if you look at this in Luke chapter 10, uh, and it's the 70 come back, and they said, the demons were subject to us in your name. And he said, I beheld Satan 
falling as light, fallen as lightning from heaven. So this was take, de- demonstrating and also mm-hmm. taking away real power from Satan. Absolutely. Because again, why I'm compiling all the relevant passages and you begin to see some patterns and it begins to anchor your conclusions. And then these random ideas here and there start to to give, give more clarity. Uh, the last thing I want to speak about with these uh, spiritual uh, entities is their close connection to false teaching and heresy. Uh, it's really surprising the abundance of Old and New Testament passages attribute false teachings and idolatry to these spiritual beings. Um, uh, you can We're not going to go through all the passages, but there's uh, a number of passages in the Old Testament. But maybe let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 19 through 20. And in this chapter, there's this discussion of whether or not it was lawful for New Testament Christians to eat meats sacrificed to idols. Mm. And long story short, Paul basically says, if there's no idolatrous context, it's fine. Idols are fake. If some, some ritual was performed over a piece of meat, that ritual has no power. The piece of meat remains a piece of meat. And so if you buy it at the marketplace or it's handed to you by your friend at dinner and there's no connection to idolatry, it remains a piece of meat. There's only one God but, but one, so nothing's happened to this. It's fine. But whenever it is connected to an idolatrous context, he says don't partake or eat of the meat sacrificed to idols because idolatry is real. The gods that are being worshipped are false but the worship is real and the worship of these gods that don't exist has come from demons that in fact do exist uh first Corinthians 10 19 to 20 paul says what do i mean then that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything no but i say that the things which the gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to god And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. And so when people would worship pagan gods, there is no pagan god to receive that worship. But there is an evil spiritual entity that's in some capacity inspired this false worship away from God. And that demon is real. So partaking in idolatry is partaking in demonic practices. And so idol, so, so. Yeah, uh, demons are attributed as being the source of idolatry. So that's a curious thing to consider. Um, I think you see that same kind of thing um, in the Old Testament uh, in Leviticus. Uh, some of the laws given about um, about worship had to do with demons in the desert. And so there were associations with some of these cultures um, that to worship certain gods. Um, Moses clarifies that and says, those are demons. Um, so so Paul is, Paul's carrying on that truth that maybe we didn't follow from the Old Testament. But you're right, it's, uh, there are spiritual forces kind of pulling the strings on some things that we think are innocent, but actually have uh, devastating consequences. Absolutely. So that brings us to the, uh, to the, to the big dog himself, Satan. <laughs> Uh, the the most uh, notorious and seemingly powerful of all evil spiritual entities. 
Uh, and maybe the best way to start our conversation about Satan is to consider his many names, uh, the many ways of identifying yep. Satan. One, of course, is Satan, which is from the Hebrew word Satan, uh, which just means enemy or adversary. It's a common word used of common human adversaries. Uh, we see that in Numbers and in, in Samuel, um, for instance, uh, an individual is known as, to, as an adversary. Uh, but three times in the Old Testament, in First Chronicles, in Job, and in Zechariah, this term, the enemy or the adversary, is used to refer to what is clearly this spiritual entity that we now understand to be the devil and Satan. Um, and so again, so it's Satan is not a proper name. It's a term that means adversary. And similarly, there is the term the devil. And the devil, um, the Greek word diabolos, which um, sounds like diablos, if you know that in Spanish. Uh, this word just means slanderous or accusing. Uh, Zechariah and Revelation, in the, uh, um, two passages there, we see that uh, Satan was slandering or accusing God's people. And so he becomes known as the devil because he is the accuser. Um, and so those, those are two, probably, probably the two most um, commonly used identifiers for this figure we're looking at. And in Romans 12, when Jesus has died, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand, and Satan is cast out of heaven, uh, and that's interesting to just kind of discuss the geography of Satan, but uh, it says the accuser of the brethren mm -hmm. cast down. And you look at how he viewed Job. And he's he's not wanting Job to do well. He he wants to be able to accuse Job. Absolutely. In, in both of these terms, let us understand a great deal about him. He's an enemy. And the way he functions is by his speech, by his accusations. Uh, I mean, we're going to see one of his main methods is lying. So we already see a good bit about how this individual operates. Well, Justin had already asked about uh, the term Lucifer, so I think this would be a good time to mention Lucifer. Uh, I think Lucifer would be understood as Satan's name. Maybe we know, okay, Satan is not a name. It's not a proper name. It's, it means the enemy. Devil, we know that's not a proper name. That just means the accuser. But maybe Lucifer is the proper name. And the same way that Michael's an angel and Gabriel's an angel, perhaps Lucifer is the name of Satan. And Lucifer comes from Isaiah 14, 12. Uh, this passage says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, O son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. And so mine says star of the morning. That would be what is translated by the, new, by the King James or New King James into the word Lucifer. So what do we know? What do you got? What do you, you, you guys tell me. What do we know about Lucifer or star of the morning, how can we make sense of all this? I would go to the context because um, it's commonly understood and thought that this is the name of Satan. And I know there are people that think that there's kind of a dual reference here. But in the context, he's talking about the king of Babylon. Yeah. And so Israel's remnant taunts Babylon. And so going back to verse four, take up this talk against the king of Babylon. Yep. 
how the oppressor has ceased, the insolent furry ceased, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, etc., etc. Verse 7, the whole earth is at rest and quiet. I like this in verse 6. The cypresses rejoice in the cedars of Lebanon, saying, since you were laid low, no woodcutter comes up against us. When a king is powerful, he's building. And when he's building, he's you know using resources. And the forests are like, oh, he's gone. <laughs> and, then, and, and then he meets in verse 9. Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the shades to greet you. All who were leaders of the earth, it raises from their thrones. All who were kings of the nations, all of them answer and say to you, you too have become weak as we. And so these previous kings who killed and conquered and built, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And now here's, here's this guy, the king of Babylon. Ah, he's dead too. Yep. It, exactly. So there's no reference to Satan in in this passage. The way it describes this king of Babylon falling from heaven and so forth. Um, you know, I with our New Testament understanding in no context of the Old Testament reading that passage, we say, oh, it, it must be Satan. So we assume that rather than letting the text tell us who it's about. Uh, At best, it would be dual. At at best, God would describe this king of Babylon in such a way that would also apply to the devil. But usually with with dual prophecies or dual meanings, there's some kind of confirmation within the text or a later reference. Nothing in the New Testament cites anything from this passage as referring to Satan. If there's a New Testament quote where Paul quotes Isaiah 14 in reference to Satan, that would indicate to me, okay, I should see this passage is also applying to Satan, but it doesn't. So it, it's a possibility, but we should not look at this passage as being, oh, it's a good thing God gave us this description of the, the origin story of Satan, because that's not really what's happening here. And I, I would say it, there's a passage in Proverbs, pride goeth before destruction in a haughty spirit before the fall. And that's what we see in Isaiah 14 with an arrogant king. And that's what you see with Satan, and that's what we've seen in our own lives, and that's what we've seen with other people, and that's what you see in the Roman Caesars, mm-hmm. uh, who some of them were Domitian, demanded to be addressed as Lord God. He was exalting himself, and he died. And when he died, everybody was glad he was gone. Uh, and so, over and over, uh, that doesn't mean that he's Satan. He lived the way Satan wanted him to. Uh, and the king of Babylon, in arrogance, that's what Satan wants as well. Mm-hmm. He's Satan, but this pattern of behavior we need to watch out for. It's it's the behavior of Satan, but it's not at all limited to Satan. Yeah. And, and maybe what we should say is it was the influence of Satan too, whether the king of Babylon recognized it as that or not. Uh, later, James 3, you talk about the, the deception and the teaching of demons. talks about... Um, a worldly kind of wisdom that's that's earthly and demonic that has to do with rivalry uh, and competitiveness. You see it there in James three, uh, that kind of thing. The, the pride that says I've got to prove myself better than everyone else. That that's absolutely the influence of Satan. Um, later in this passage, he even says Isaiah fourteen, um, verse sixteen. Others will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man? 
who made the earth tremble. So even the context afterward, it seems like it's continuing on to talk about this is this figurative language, um, and you know, it, 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 we're not looking at some spiritual being here, even though our imaginations might take it that way because of John Milton's Paradise Lost and uh, our imaginations through media today, where we just we sort of picture Satan as some fallen ruler who's ruling over hell. He he's not like he doesn't want to go there. Uh, he's not a fallen angel kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So what we're left with is this Hebrew word, Hallel, which is literally translated as morning star, uh, was later translated, I think, into Latin, into Lucifer, uh, word similar to Lucifer. Um, L-U-X meaning light and F-E-R meaning bearing, so light bearing. And if I'm not mistaken, that term Lucifer, it referred to an actual um, star, or I think sometimes it's even Venus, apparently. Yeah. I think it's right. And so it's 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 an actual thing, uh, a celestial physical being, and it would it would appear as the last star until morning comes. Um and in, in Greek we've got the word uh phosphorus, uh, which means light bringing and morning star. And so that's the literal, this morning star, that's what's happening here. Well, wouldn't that be great? Great clickbait title here is you know Venus is actually Satan. You know it's... exactly. <laughs> so so here in the Old Testament, this morning star is is referred is used to to describe the uh, king of Babylon. But in the New Testament, the morning star is a more positive image. In Second Peter one nineteen, uh, pay attention to Scripture until the until the day the dawn and the morning star arises in your heart. So the morning star is this sign of hope that the morning has come or in revelations 228 jesus says that a reward he will give will be the morning star again symbol of hope but finally revelation 22 16 jesus himself says i am the bright and morning star and so we could if, if lucifer is a proper translation of morning star then we could biblically refer to jesus as being lucifer uh, and that would only be uh advised as Justin message, uh, mentioned for clickbait. Uh, beyond that, probably not a helpful tactic, um, but it helps remind us to stay, to stay grounded. And also shows the difference between things we think we know about biblical topics, things we think we know about Satan, and what we actually do know about Satan. It's a fact, Satan's name is Lucifer until you realize that's not a fact at all. That's uh, it's a misunderstanding, mistranslation. Um, and it just gets passed on and can be misleading to us. Go ahead, Justin. Just just for sake of time here, we're running a little short. Um, Tim, you've, you've done all this research. If if you were to meet someone, they say, tell me uh, tell me the top three things I need to know about Satan or the top two things I need to know about Satan. Um, what would you think is like top of the list things that you would hope people would come away from this study appreciating about what the Bible tells us about this person? thing well as we mentioned it's good to know where he came from and where his evil came from he's he's a created being just like the rest of us and he's chosen to be rebellious and he has postured himself against god and uh, apparently god has given him freedom to do so um things kind of seem to be a more powerful spiritual or more prominent spiritual being than others i don't know why but that's kind of the way he's presented. And so he ends up being the face of this opposition against God. So it's helpful to know that there is this natural opposition 
fighting against God that God has allowed. Um, and it's good for us to know about that because we need to be aware of the potential dangers and threats that Satan um, presents to us. Um, he is called the ruler of the world. So he clearly has power and control over things that are going on here. Uh, he has his own dominion, uh, and his dominion seems to be more of a people than a place, similar to, to Jesus' dominion is about the people he rules over. Satan's dominion are the people who surrender themselves to be servants of his uh, rather, um, rather than of God. And so Satan can function and can work by using all the people who are not submissive to God. Because as soon as we don't want to submit to the Lord, then then we're kind of kind of free game. And Satan can can manipulate and, and, and move and inspire all these other people uh, to do to do his will in some capacity. And so that presents a threat to us. Tim, a lot of those lot, most of the uh, sources of our temptation come from other people um, and stumbling blocks that they would set before us. Um, but of course, it's important for us to know that in the end, Satan is going to be defeated and lose. Anything that these evil spirits do is with the Lord's permission. When Jesus walks up to a demon-possessed man, the demons say, have you come to, to torment us before the time? You know, and so they can only do what Jesus is allowing them to do until they're ultimately punished, and they know it's coming. I also love the statement where Jesus tells Peter that Satan has demanded permission to sift you like we before Peter is tempted to deny Christ. I love that, that this phrase, demanded permission. How can you demand permission? It's like the husband who goes to his wife and says, you know, that's it. I haven't been golfing in months. I cleaned out the garage, like you said. I don't care what you say. I'm going golfing today as long as that's okay with you. <laughs> you know, and it's true. He, 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 he acts with authority, but all of his authority only comes to what he's permitted to do until his ultimate and you know the bible it kind of spoils itself that there's this great eternal conflict but we already know the ending of it and so really the only remaining question is well who are we going to align ourselves with right with god or with the devil and so we might as well choose the side that we know is going to win um that's a couple you highlighted there for us this, this idea of uh of rebellion if i don't align myself with the christ uh, then I am actively in rebellion with him. And I wouldn't think of myself as aligning my uh, myself with Satan, but by default, mm. I'm part of his realm. He's the ruler of this world. He's deceived me into thinking that I can get my way apart from God, um, that I can achieve something apart from him. And so Satan's got me in his clutches, whether I realize it or not. And he, he preys on that kind of pride. It seems like pride and Satan, First uh, Peter, seem to link those things up pretty neatly. Scott? Yeah. Um, on this thing, because it struck me uh, on the word permission, and I was going to say something and, and reword it, and then you mentioned, well, it's in the text. Uh, but I looked it up, and it's actually not. So if you look at Luke chapter 22, King James says, Satan desired to have you. Neve mm -hmm. King James asked for you. It's in the New American Standard 95 that it has the word permission. Mm. Permission is in italics. Mm. Uh, and so what I'm going to suggest 
is maybe if we look for a little bit different word, because it's kind of like the evil that we have done and other people have done here on this earth. The sins that we committed, that was not with the Lord's permission. Mm -hmm. he, he allowed it. He didn't stop it. Judgment day is coming. He sought to turn us from it. Repent, O Israel. I don't have pleasure in the death of the wicked. So what Satan does, he's doing because God has not thrown him in yet. And he's not allowed to do everything he would like to do. We see that in Job. But I wouldn't say that everything Satan does is with God's permission. Just like I wouldn't say that when we sin, it's with God's permission. Uh, but God allows good and evil to battle it out here and is expecting us to choose the right side. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah. I mean, we might even say that that God, in some ways, um, Satan functioning in this world doesn't uh, prevent God from accomplishing his goals. Uh, he doesn't align himself with Satan, of course. Satan wouldn't align, align himself with God. And yet what the Bible calls temptation, it might also call a trial that God wants to use those things to strengthen us and to prove our faith uh, in him. Uh, and so it's, it's never that Satan working on us or, or fighting against us is uh, outside God's control. In fact, God wants to bless us through that. So he sends us into battle, you know, armed with these spiritual weapons, and it's supposed to be good for us. It's scary. Uh, but it, but it's meant to prove something wonderful about who he is and who he's making us to be. Right. For the last thought, you know, Satan is is identified as a liar, yep. and he lied from the beginning. His first uh, manifestation in Genesis three uh, as a snake was his first tactic that he employs. It's it's lies, and probably we can know that his most um, most commonly employed tactic is lying and deceit and how is it that he lies and deceives us well we argue with ourselves about a lot of things and we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are permitted to sin that we can do this and not get caught or that it'll be worth it and, and so forth and we say the same things to ourselves that satan said to eve in the very beginning and i don't know what role satan would play in these conversations that we have with ourselves as we are contemplating and fighting against sin and temptation um, but it would not be impossible or unlikely that he's somehow a part of that. And so what's the answer to lies? What's truth? So yeah. why do we need so much scripture? Why do we need to be filled with the spirit? Well, we need to be full of the truth because that's the greatest defense we have against the lies. Ken, this has been super helpful. The, the whole series, just thinking through this, and I'm going to go back and listen to these again myself, just uh, reviewing this. Um, it's a good reminder that we're part of something bigger than what we see around us. Uh, but that does conclude our discussion for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you found this study of God's Word helpful, please share with others. Uh, you can find uh, information for our, our program at BibleQuest.tv if you have requests for future studies. Thanks for joining in. God be with you. And if he's willing, we'll see you next week. And also, let's throw in, if anybody would like to uh, have Tim go over some more stuff because he's got 16 pages there. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Let us know. What's the best way to reach you, Tim? 
my email would work. It's hermanotim at gmail.com. That's uh, hermano brother in Spanish, H-E-R-M-A-N-O, him at gmail. That's probably the best way. Very good. Sounds good. All right. Y'all take care.